0: Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. Hope it's a payday for you. Wouldn't that be cool? Have a little extra money to get out and go do some things. Let me pay some bills, enjoy a nice meal, make a trip to Stark Vegas. Got a sellout crowd on hand uh, this weekend at Davis Wade Stadium. It's Bulldogs take on number one Georgia. You know, here's the thing, too, about all this stuff. You're, many of you are probably like me some of you aren't There there's are some people that are you know they're only happy when they're miserable but uh, I am the kind of person but by the time we get to kickoff I will maybe have convinced myself man we got a chance we got a chance we got chance we got a chance We're gonna give our final thoughts on the uh, bulldog Georgia matchup uh, today uh, later in the show but uh, you know how it is when the schedule first comes out you say you know what that's that's a sure loss and as we get a little closer and we get a little closer you start thinking man, I remember back in nineteen eighty, nobody gave us a chance and we beat number one. I remember back in nineteen ninety six, Jackie Sherrill was on the ropes. Looked like he was gonna be fired at years end. He found a way to beat Alabama, changed the course of the SEC Western Division race that year. May have even cost Alabama a chance at another national championship. So crazier things have happened. They really have. I remember a ball game with uh, the st- state in Florida. You know, there were a lot of people that thought the fun and gun was just going to come to Starkville and absolutely destroy us. And we have made Shane Matthews look like that he was a junior college quarterback, and that's the guy that went on to play several years in the National Football League. So there's always, there's always the chance, right? But come kickoff, I will have convinced myself, you know what, man, we got a shot. My hope is whether what our belief is, I hope that our Bulldogs believe that. You know, how many times in your life – and maybe your, your playing career. Most of us didn't play above the high school level. Many people didn't play above the peewee level, little league level. Didn't even get a chance to play you know, varsity sports in high school. But how many chances do you get in your playing career to do something that changes everything? Really, not, not very often, right? I mean, those opportunities are few and far between. And when those opportunities have presented themselves, a lot of times people have come up short. But there's always the one time. There's a reason that we still consider November 1st a holiday within the Mississippi State fan base. That was the day we beat the Bear. And I was there. And there's like 10 million people that claim they were there. I was there. My first college game. with My dad and my brother. And I've shared with you guys before, my brother flipped to Alabama over the course of the ballgame. We had to sit on the Alabama side. But the reality of it is, is sometimes crazy things happen. Is this one of those times? I'm not ready to convince myself of that today, but you know what? When we played them in 2020, I thought we'd go down there with what I think was 45 players on the travel roster. I think we had 49 initially that passed COVID testing protocols, and then before we got on the plane, we had a few that had to drop. So we had 45 players on the travel roster. That's it. We went down there and should have won the game in Georgia. And you know how it was Well, Rodgers and those guys came out, went right down the field. They scored every time Georgia scored. We answered. They just felt like, you know what, we got a shot here. We didn't. But it said a lot about our team. And, you know, Mike Leach said after Alabama game that he thought that we were scared of Alabama. You know, perhaps maybe we're not scared of Georgia. Maybe we should be. But I think, you know, like they say, scared money doesn't make money. And you look at the teams that uh, have had some success in recent years against the likes of Alabama and Georgia and teams like that. They're teams that have been fearless. We'd have nothing to lose by going out there and just playing reckless and, you know, let's just go try to win the ball game. Georgia's a lot better team than us. Let's frame it up like that. They are a better team than us. There's There's no disputing that. But crazy things happen in college football. They do. And come kickoff, I will have tried to convince myself, that, you know what, maybe tonight, tonight, something special is going to happen. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I, I do. And I love them long before they were a sponsor of this show. I, I don't partner with people that I don't believe in. But I get I turn down ads all the time. I get ad submissions every week you know, from the, the service that I'm on. But Bulldog Burger Company, I'm very proud to partner with them. Not just because they're great people, and they are. You know, John Bean, the whole crew, the fans, everybody involved, just great people. Com- committed to our community, no doubt about it. They've done a great job feeding the Bulldog family for years here in the Golden Triangle. Bulldog Burger Company, now kind of the new kid on the block in many respects when it comes to the Eat With Us group. But when, I, when people hit me up, like other members of the media, they say, hey, where should we eat we're in town? Well, you know what? I'm picking one of those restaurants. I just am. Because I don't want to give somebody a bad wreck. And Bulldog Burger Company is one that I mention regularly. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas, with that fabulous new patio area. It's getting cool. You can sit out there by the chimney. It's going to be cold this weekend, too. Maybe bring an extra jacket. Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area, and then Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I love going in there because, number one, I know what I'm going to get before I even get there. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, we got to go eat where you want to go. I don't know what I want. I know when I go to Bulldog Burger Company before I even pull into the parking lot exactly what I want. And I always, always get those spring rolls as my appetizer. No matter what else I'm doing that day, I'm getting the spring rolls. And you should, too. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And, again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, Of the restaurant quality hamburger, it's one of the fine delicacies we afford ourselves in life. Go get the Bulldog, get the Mission. I get the pico de gallo on the side when I get the Mission, but I love it. The pimentology add bacon, that'll put some hair on your chest. Yeah, and get that chocolate shake to go. Again, we need to start a movement with that. Desserts to go, yeah, that's part of the new dining experience. And you can get that at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference. I am happy. I am beyond happy with this slate of games that we have. And I tell you, there's some big numbers with the Lions this week. It's tough picking games. You know, know, jeanspage.com, this year we decided to pick with the spread, which has kind of changed the dynamic. I'm happy to say I'm tied with Mike Nemitz for first place. But it's been a weird year, and it always is. I mean, there's never a year where everything goes to script. I mean, the teams that are favored to win the SEC East and West usually do, but what's behind them? Everybody jockeying for position, trying to get to a New Year Six or where they stand in a pool six. Weird things happen. They do. That's the thing. That's the thing we love about it, right? I mean, how many people think about it? How many people had South Carolina going to Kentucky and winning that game? Not many people. Especially when you consider, you know, there were some that were suggesting, you know, Kentucky was going to be, you know, win the SEC East and potentially win the Southeastern Conference and get in the playoff. It was just, you know, I wish more people felt that way about Mississippi State. I mean, honestly. And Kentucky's right there with it. We're essentially the same program, just in different divisions. But you hear everybody talking, of Kentucky's this, Kentucky's that. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. Probably going to be an eight and four team, and hopefully we will be too in the regular season. But Kentucky loses that game in South Carolina, and I think kind of got exposed to be a you know, kind of an above average team when when many people forecasted greatness. It's why we play the games. How many of y'all had LSU beat in Alabama last week? I mean, it's tough to go win in Tiger Stadium, even for Alabama. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the show here. You know, Alabama had to go to Baton Rouge. I mean, the road to Atlanta for Alabama, went through Baton Rouge, and then they, uh, you know, had a bit of an, an incident, shall we say. Now Alabama, of course, uh, got to went out and get some help along the way. It's the reason we play the games. And we we touched on this on the last show, too. You know, it's it's kind of rarefied air for us to beat Arkansas, Auburn, and A&M in the same year. It's happened three times in our history. And again, we're going back to expansion, you know, back 2012. So we're only talking 10 years. But when we can do that, when we can win those three years, it's a good year. may not be a great year, but it's a good year. Because those are our contemporaries. You know, them, Ole Miss, Kentucky, those, you know, those are the teams, you know, in some respects that we're kind of similar to when it comes to tradition, especially in recent years in the more modern era of football. We're going to talk about some Bulldog history in, in the final segment of the show athletically, but you know, and, and here's the thing, Julie, you know, I wrote a couple books, maybe you've heard, written five books total, four sports books, a book of poetry, and uh, I appreciate everybody that's bought a book of mine, whether it be for yourself or somebody else, thank you very much, if, I had, if, I, if, you've, if I've never heard me say it, thank you, because I spend a lot of time and effort sitting up here, kind of agonizing over details and looking up historical facts and, and uh, a lot of time reading old newspaper articles and the media guides and things like that, and you spend months and months and months working on this, and then people read the book in a weekend, you know. But my hope is that the knowledge is imparted to you becomes invaluable to you. But one of the, the probably the most undeniable truth when it comes to Mississippi State athletics prior to the modern era, and and I guess in some respects we could say maybe the modern era for us began in the '90s when the SEC expanded in '92. So let's just kind of talk about that. Now, this may hurt some feelings, but I'm going to call it like it is. Mississippi State, by and large, was not committed to athletics. We were great at baseball, and some of that's just because of the fact that we had a great recruiting base because so many young men in this neck of the woods played baseball essentially year-round. They were good at it, so we kind of benefited geography-wise because we're in the south, and you know it's the summer months, basically three-fourths of the year. So we played baseball a lot more. We didn't play hockey. We played baseball. But we weren't committed to athletics. We didn't put financial support behind athletics. You talk about the whole poor old state thing. That that happens a lot. The reality of it is, at times, we were poor old state. We're not anymore. It's sitting your dad or your granddad's Mississippi State. Things have changed. Are we on par with... Uh, the elite schools in this league, we're not. But we're a lot better off than we used to be. You, you go back and look, and we, we discuss some of these series. You know, we preview on Wednesday, the series coming up. We, I talk about the history. How many times did we sell a home game? I mean, think about that nowadays. And I don't know if home full advantage was as big a deal back then as it is today. You know, The crowds weren't as big. Of course, you had to travel. There's always inconvenience with traveling and playing in unfamiliar surroundings. You don't have as many of your fans around you, and that, that does matter. It does. There's a reason for that. you get got passionate fans. But we sold a lot of home games for money. So we gave up the home field advantage, you know, for a payday. And I'm, I'm not going to be critical of the officials that made those decisions. I'm sure it's what they felt they needed to do, what they felt was better for the health of the athletic department. It's like, hey, yeah, we could play this game in Starkville and maybe make a couple grand, or we can sell the game and make more money. And then we don't have to worry about staffing the concession stands and paying for all this stuff. We didn't have a lot of money. And part of that problem is because Mississippi State and Ole Miss were not treated equally by the IHL board, nor was Southern Miss. Ole Miss was always given favor when it came to budgetary issues. Things are a little different now. They weren't always like that. And so it's a difficult decision, these gentlemen were. Duty Noble was probably in the middle of all that uh, for the most part. But we sold a bunch of home games. I mean, we played in Baton Rouge over and over and over again. You know, we'd play at Auburn and then go play them in Birmingham. You know, things like that but we weren't committed. Maybe we wanted to be. Maybe we just didn't have the resources, but we weren't committed to athletics. Nowadays we are. And so what happened is so many other programs that maybe were committed to athletics got so far ahead of us. We're still trying to catch up. I would love, you know, when when we all get to heaven, I would love to be able to know about some of those decisions. I mean, the people that made them are dead and gone. But I would love to know, you know, was it worth, and maybe I'm being a little bit heavy-handed here, was it worth putting our team at a competitive disadvantage to make a few more bucks? You know, we have the gift of hindsight now, and we begin to look at, well, what did that mean for our tradition? What did that mean for our Fan base, what did that do for recruiting? Well, we've got to be able to pay the janitor. So we're going to sell this game and we're going to go play Florida and, you know, Pensacola or something like that. We're going to do that. We're not going to play the game here. We're going to go do that because, you know, we were suckers for the quick reward. And, again, maybe that's what we feel like we had to do. But our football program especially paid the price for that. You know, baseball, we could compete any with anytime, anywhere, right? Football's different. And I go back to, um, you know, we talk about the difference in the series between State and Ole Miss. One, you know, one of the biggest differences between State and Ole Miss, Alan McKean, as great as he was, an absolute legend, National College Football Hall of Famer. Did you know that? Yeah. We ended up fired him. You know, we, again, Bob Sanders was probably um, – you're kind of the forerunner of some of these malcontents on social media. Thought that he knew better than Duty Noble. Launched a coup to get Alan McKean fired. Ultimately succeeded. At the end of the day, Alan McKean did not have a leg to stand on. He didn't have the support of the donors, didn't have the support of the administration, didn't have the support of the students. Matter of fact, the students put together a petition saying they would boycott games if Alan McKean was brought back. So bad it was. But Alan McKean was reluctant to sign veterans. Ole Miss was taking them left and right. I mean, you get these grown men that are hardened by World War II. You put them on a college football field, they feel like they've died and gone to heaven. Johnny Vaught pursued those guys. We had a few. We did, Harper Davis being one of them. I shared with you guys in uh, Alpha Dogs that uh, Harper Davis was working uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, when the war ended. And Johnny Vaught was actually his football coach. How about that? Pretty crazy to think about, isn't it? That was before he became the offensive line coach at Ole Miss and ultimately the head coach. Johnny Vaught's a great coach, no matter how you look at it. got big numbers. But Harper Davis comes to Mississippi State, studies the playbook on the car ride back from Corpus Christi, We go over and play Auburn. He gets on the bus, haven't had very little practice, and scores two touchdowns, and we win the game. But Ole Miss, to their credit, said, hey, look, we can go get these grown men that are playing against guys, uh, you know, right out of the cornfield and put together a good program. And they did. And so, again, there's just been so many decisions over the years, some things that we have done to the detriment of Mississippi State and Mississippi State football we have we just have to own that and we we can't fix it you know we can't dwell on it you know like the old saying is we can't change the past we can change what it means we got to get caught up and a big part of that is bulldog initiative as you guys know Uh, but the reality of it is is that you know we can't sit here and just belabor the point and go over well we didn't do this we didn't do that it's about where we are now what can we do now that it's our generation now that it's our lifetime what kind of footprint are we going to leave when it comes to Mississippi State Athletics, to be part of things. I begin to wonder sometimes, too, like if when we do all get to heaven, those of us make it, you know. I'd love to sit down with Bob Sanders in that group uh, that ran Alan McKean out and said, you know, hey, knowing what you know now, would you have made that decision? I'd ask Duty Noble, hey, you remember all those games you sold, you know, for a few bucks? Knowing what you know now, would you have made that decision? Yeah, and again, I'm not being critical of those people. We, again, we have the gift of hindsight, but we made a lot of decisions that were not in the best interest of Mississippi State's ability to compete. It's important to understand. All right, let's look at this week's uh, SEC football schedule. I like the schedule. Again, it's so it's so crazy how life works sometimes. Eli Drinkwitz uh, extension. Six million a year. Six million a year. Hadn't done much. They're not even bowl eligible this year. And maybe Eli will get in there. You know my conspiracy theory. I think they will get there. And we'll see what happens. We never know what shape Missouri and Arkansas teams are going to be in when they get together. But it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, Missouri hits the league wide open. They go to the SEC championship game. And everybody thinking, man, look at this. They've done nothing since then. They get a chance to see Tennessee up close and personal in Neyland Stadium this weekend. And teams like Missouri and Kentucky, and in some respects, South Carolina, have kind of benefited from the fact, you know, for for much of the last decade, Florida hadn't really been Florida, and Tennessee hadn't really been Tennessee. So if you're Kentucky now, when you're basically, when you get to schedule seven wins each year, right? You get your non-conference, You should be able to win three or four of those every single year. And then you get to play South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Missouri every year. You got seven wins before you even look at the rest of the schedule. You're both eligible. And Mark Stoops is a good coach, but I think sometimes people undervalue that, right? You look at Missouri, and Missouri is going to go face Tennessee this weekend, and now Tennessee is back. Now, how long Heupel can keep them back? remains to be seen but Tennessee is a destination quality job good facilities a lot of money big fan base national attention and so you look at teams like Missouri and, and Kentucky and South Carolina and begin to realize well hey it's not going to be just a you know a one pony show anymore with Georgia now Tennessee's getting better and I do think you know, Florida had some good years under Dan Mullen despite the fact that you know last year fell apart on him Dan had some good years. So now all of a sudden you begin to think it's going to be Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia again. So maybe we'll begin to get some balance within the league, just in time for them to change the rotation of the schedule, right? But I think this is the story of two programs here. I think Missouri is going one direction and Tennessee going another. And, again, we I think most of us felt like Tennessee was going to be improved this year. Did you think that here we'd be here in the middle of November talking about Tennessee having a chance to make the playoff? Be one of the four best teams in the country. I don't think we did, and they're currently number five. And there are a couple teams ahead of them. They're going to play head to head. It's pretty crazy. to Think about. So it's been a fascinating story to watch. I think the only big exception to what my expectation was in beating Alabama. I thought they would lose to Alabama and lose to Georgia. That might be it. Expected a big year, but uh, that big win over Alabama. It kind of gets that crimson monkey off their back. You know, it's for years and years and years, the third Saturday in October has meant nothing. And then Tennessee wins. Pretty crazy. And again, they could have folded in that game too. You know when Hooker had the fumble at the mesh point there and Alabama scoops it up and goes in for a touchdown. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. It's over. But Tennessee said no. I like Tennessee in this game big. Uh, I, I don't think Missouri can score with them. Missouri defensively is playing better. But Tennessee is so explosive from the passing standpoint. And I tell you, the, the analytics on this Tennessee offense are ridiculous. Jalen Hyatt's done a great job uh, for, for the volunteers. And so I like Tennessee to win and win fairly convincingly. Missouri defensively has been better this year, especially as of late. I mean, you go, you go back and look at some of the games that they played, even against some teams where the talent differential favored the opponent, Missouri was right there. You know, you go, but, you know, Auburn, Auburn's got dudes. They don't have coaching, but they got dudes. They held them 17 points. And great. Auburn hadn't been a great offensive team, but Missouri had to go to the Plains, and then they, they should have won the game. And then the very next week, instead of pouting and crying and acting like a, a victim because they fumbled the go ahead touchdown into the end zone at Auburn, they nearly upset the number one team in the country. They lose by four to Georgia. And then instead of thinking, well, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're just not very good this year. We're never going to win these close games. The next week, they go to Florida. They go to the Swamp and should have won the game and lose by seven. It's pretty remarkable. It really is. And last week, of course, they lose to uh, Kentucky, 21-17. But you look at this Missouri team, and, and you could see why perhaps that you would want to extend Drinkwitz, but, man, $6 million. And I guess maybe if you got to write a deal, you got to write a deal. I just don't know why you do it in the middle of the year. I and mean, who's going to be coming for Eli Drinkwitz, right? I mean, honestly, I mean, like seriously, who is going to be coming for him that, that necessitates an in-season extension? But they do it. But, yeah, they've got some young offensive talent, and defensively they're playing much, much better. I mean, really, the only game you really point to and say, you know what, these guys just weren't in the game, was when Kansas State absolutely smashed them up there in Little Apple. There's progress. There is. There's progress. And again, I won't be the least bit surprised if they end the year 6-6. Six and six. I wouldn't have said that three weeks ago, but I'm saying it today. But again, this week, Tennessee gets, some, gets some big. LSU is at Arkansas. Arkansas is in a bit of a crisis. And now a couple weeks ago I was telling you guys Arkansas had a chance to, you know, go on a five-game winning streak and end the year and, you know, be in great position to p- potentially play in a big-time bowl game. And, and now you begin to look at it and you begin to wonder, are they going to make a bowl game? It's pretty crazy. I, I think one of the things, too, that I'll say, you know, time is uh, one of the most important commodities we have in the world. That's not uh, breaking news. But time is also gives us the chance for things to play out, and things are still playing out. But there were so many people that kind of whipped Mississippi State and whipped our fans. But you know, we well, look at Sam Pittman, look at Sam Pittman, look at Sam Pittman. Okay, let's look at Sam Pittman. He's now 17 and 15. A lot of people were like, "Hey, you know, Arkansas is so much farther ahead than Mississippi State in Mike Leach." And, and I'll be honest with you, when, when Arkansas hired Sam Pittman, I wasn't a fan. I like Sam Pittman, though. I do. And I think he'll find a way to get these guys bowl eligible. But, you know, you're 5-4 and four with three games against the SEC to go. They don't get the benefit of that, you know, FCS opponent or non-conference opponent uh, next weekend. They got to play Ole Miss next weekend. The good thing for Arkansas is two of the next three are at home. And you'd like to think that you can pick off one of those two. If I have to call it today, they're going to lose to our LSU and then beat Ole Miss. And, of course, the reverse could happen. And then it would make it for an awfully interesting finish, <laughs> shall we say. But uh, LSU, a chance to wrap up the SEC Western Division this weekend. I suspect they get it done. I do think Arkansas will come out and ready to play. When you go back and look at last year's game, that was the thing. Arkansas had no business winning that game last year. Did you? Do you remember watching that game? I do. And LSU couldn't get out of their own way. LSU had more talent and just couldn't get it done. You know that. That's the thing that I think about is you know with these, we talk about the the analytics and recruiting rankings and things of that nature and LSU was what a four and five team last year when this game was played. They were trying to get it done. But it's one of those crazy things, you know, you look back in hindsight, I don't quite understand uh how Arkansas was really kind of able to get that thing done the way they did. And and, and it's really a tip of the cap to them. You know, they were 6 and 3 going to that ball game, but LSU has a 10-3 lead in Tiger Stadium at the break. Then they give up 10 points there in the third quarter. And again, that's a, again, credit to Sam Pittman and his staff. And then LSU has to kick a late field goal to tie it. And they force overtime. And then Arkansas wins it 16-13 in overtime. You know, it's insanity. But, you know, you go back and look at these numbers and you, you, know, you look at it and you begin to ask yourself, why didn't LSU win a game? You know, defensively, I thought that uh, Arkansas did some good things in its ball game, but you know, the magic of Tiger Stadium didn't work out well. And ultimately you lose a close ball game to a good team, don't get me wrong. No way am I suggesting Arkansas was bombs last year. They weren't. But they kind of lived a charmed life. It shouldn't have beat us, and I don't think it should have beat double shoe. And maybe they should have beat Ole Miss. You know, things always kind of have a way of evening out. But uh, I like LSU in this one. I think LSU will take care of business uh, on the plains. Excuse me, on the plains in uh, in in the natural state. And that that puts Arkansas in a really you know dangerous predicament. You know, to be four, uh, to be five and five with two to play. You got to get one somewhere. And again, there were a lot of people that thought Arkansas might have a chance to contend for the West this year. And I hear they are kind of scratching and clawing and try to get ball eligible. And the schedule's not really favorable. You got the number seven team in the country coming in this week and number eleven coming in next week. And then you got to go on the road to play this improving Missouri team we just talked about. So I don't expect Arkansas to lose out, but it's not gonna be easy. And nor should it be, right? Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Vanderbilt's at Kentucky. We won't spend much time talking about this, and nor should we. Remember, Vanderbilt got off to a three and one start. People are like, you know what? Well, no, no, I don't know what. What I know is that Vanderbilt is talent deficient, to say the least. And you look at some of these, their numbers, too. I mean, it's like, I think Clark Lee's gonna do a great job there. My friend Barton Simmons, I think will do a great job there. They got to get dudes. They don't have them. They competed against South Carolina back to back years, and you could one could say that maybe they should have won those games. Nearly pulled it off at Missouri, but you know, but you got to catch your contemporaries before you can start chasing, you know, the upper echelon. But um, yeah, again, they're competitive in many respects, but. I just don't think they've got the juice to stop this Kentucky ground game. And I think that's what they're going to do. And, of course, there's been all this hype about Will Levis this year. Number's pretty pedestrian, to be quite honest with you. Kind of what what he's done historically. I think whoever drafts him in the first round, general manager's probably getting fired within three years. But um, I don't think you can afford to take a first-round pick on a guy like him. The numbers in production just aren't there. But they'll win this week. And then Kentucky will move ahead, you know, of course, to be seven and three with two games to play. And then they'll lose to Georgia next week and they'll beat Louisville. So eight and four. That's how I see it. Maybe you see it differently. But it should be a good game in Oxford. Alabama at Ole Miss... Ole Miss, of course, coming off the open date. Alabama coming off the loss to LSU. How motivated is Alabama going to be to go play this football game? When's the last time that we've been in the middle of November and Alabama pretty much eliminated from the playoffs? I mean, they're going to have to have absolute chaos ensue in order for them to make the playoff, and I just don't see that happening. So how motivated are they going to be? Now, Ole Miss is going to be extremely motivated, as well they should be. Ole Miss got a good football team. And if people talk about the schedule, and, and that's true, it is. But Ole Miss is a good football team. They're doing what you should do. It's not like they're just squeaking by. You know, they're they're winning games. They've had a couple scares here and there. But by and large, Ole Miss making the winning plays, like the, the game against Kentucky. You know, when Kentucky's down there on the doorstep with a chance to win, you had an Ole Miss defensive lineman went inside and forced the fumble. It's not like Levis just dropped the football and Ole Miss jumped on it. It wasn't a gift. It was a play. They made the play. And as much as I don't like those guys, I got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, Lane Kiffin, thought by many to kind of be uh, propped up by Jeff Labby, has proven this year that, no, no, no it's, it's me. It's me. And you know what? Tip of the cap. I was wrong. The guy's done a great job this year. Uh, a lot of talk that he may uh, be in contention for the Auburn job. And, you know, I, I don't know if that works out or not. I think Ole Miss will do whatever they have to do to keep him. But we'll see. But uh, this is a big game not just in the SEC West, but, uh, you know, for Ole Miss. And if you're Alabama, if you can't get up to go play this game, that'll be a surprise. I'd like Alabama to win. I do think Ole Miss covers. I do think this is one that probably may even go down to the final possession. But I think Ole Miss will really give Alabama a game. And I think if you're Ole Miss, too, you have got to win the first quarter. And they've done a good job of that this year, you know, Lane Kiffin's done a good job, kind of you know, scripting out that first quarter. You're going to be doing it against a superior team this week, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, you, you saw what happened at LSU. You know, Ole Miss jumps all over them, and then LSU adjusts and then basically dominated the rest of the ball game. Ole Miss is going to have to make those second half adjustments, like you know, like they have in some other games, like they did against a And M. That game you look at in hindsight and say, you know, why was that game close? Well, it was on the road. It's tough to win on the road in the SEC, and Alabama's going to see that this weekend too. But I like Alabama to win Ole Miss to cover. I won't be surprised if Ole Miss wins. I'll be disappointed, but I won't be surprised. Ole Miss is capable of beating Alabama, especially in their own backyard, considering the mental state of both teams. Because I can assure you, as we sit here today, Ole Miss wants Alabama a whole lot more than Alabama wants Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss sees this as an opportunity to elevate their program. I think Alabama, in many respects, kind of sees this as kind of playing out the string. And and I've seen some comments by former players from Alabama that have commented these these young guys just see Alabama as a football factory. They don't have true love for Alabama. So how much of that is shared with the team? How much of that resonates with the team? Think, you know what, I do love Alabama. I do love this tradition. So we're going to see what this Alabama team is made of this weekend. South Carolina's in Florida, kind of a tricky game here. I'm going with Florida, though, because they're at home. And, again, Beamer ball, so up and down. They did go win on the road to Kentucky, and then they lose at home to Missouri. So you never know which Gamecock team is going to show up. I think it'll be a good ball game, though. I think Spencer Rattler is a guy that's kind of built for the stage. I know that he is very you know, kind of a swashbuckler at times, kind of loose and fast with the football I just don't think that South Carolina's got enough dudes on defense to win this game. And Again, I think Florida could be one of those teams down the stretch to kind of surge their way up to SEC ball order. We'll save our thoughts on Georgia and Mississippi State for the final segment. But uh, A&M at Auburn, I told you guys, I, I cannot wait for this game. You know, we're going to be covering our game. Someone DVR it, and you can say, but Steve, why do you care? I think it's going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Because whoever loses this game, their season is over. Because the loser is going to have seven losses. The winner will keep their thin bowl hopes alive. And of course, you know both teams are in the same situation at three and six. They have to win out. And Auburn, you think about this: with Cadillac up there, you listen. Cadillac's not going to get the job, okay? But Cadillac's capable of winning these next two. And setting up perhaps a very dicey Iron Bowl. I think Auburn wins this weekend. I think the line originally favored AM and it flipped to Auburn. Auburn's at home. If Auburn plays as hard as they did against us, they're gonna win this game. And I suspect they do. And it could be Cadillac Williams carried off the field on their shoulders, you know. Then the next week they get Western Kentucky. So all of a sudden you look up and you think, hey, they win these next two. And what kind of shape is Alabama going to be in going into the Iron Bowl? Granted, it's at home and everybody hates Auburn. Be an intriguing week, rivalry week, if Auburn can manage to pull this off. I think they do win this week, and I think they win next week. And we'll see what happens. But uh, that's your SEC schedule. Let's run down the winners one more time for you. Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Auburn that's how i see it and uh, we'll get back to the the georgia mississippi state uh, thoughts a little bit later uh, in the show let's thank our friend uh, blair chandler we we did the bull the bulldog boneyard free ticket giveaway and the gentleman that's bringing his family it's his kid's first time game to ever go to mississippi state game so it's kind of cool we made that happen we also last night i've already deleted a tweet because i was getting some notifications but um I had a fan that reached out to me and said, hey, we're not going to be able to make the East Tennessee State game. I would like to get my five tickets in the hands of a veteran. And I thought, man, what a noble cause that proved to be. And sure enough, put it out on Twitter, and a young, a young man reached out to me, and he's a veteran, and his family's only been to one Mississippi State game ever. And it just so happens that they're a family of five. So it's a love connection. And so we got everybody paired up. And so I appreciate you guys reaching out. I like to put people together. You know, I just don't want tickets to fall into the hands of opposing fans. I don't care who they are. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how, how often they pay their taxes. I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I don't want opposing fans there. I, I don't. I understand they have to have their little section. But I, as a guy that used to be a season ticket holder, that had to sit around opposing fans every single week, and I was on the 50-yard line, like 25 rows up on the west side, maybe maybe 20. And then there was somebody behind me that bought those tickets, and every single week there was somebody different there. And there was nine times out of ten, it was an opposing fan. So I'd have LSU people sitting behind me, Alabama people sitting behind me, and Ole Miss people sitting behind me. It's just not fair. And people, well, they're my tickets. I can do what I want to. Yeah, That's fine. I see this more as a family. If I've already spent the money to buy the tickets, that money is already spent. it's not going to cost me anything else to eat those tickets or to give them to perhaps a Mississippi State family from my community. Maybe there's some young people that have never been to a game and I can give their parents tickets. Hey, you guys go to the game on me. Here's the parking pass. Here's the tickets. You buy your own snacks, but you go have a great experience. You've already spent the money. Why not do something good with it, right? But no, we want to go sell them. It's ridiculous, man. And I remember that LSU guy had touched me, man. That's the closest I ever came to hitting somebody to ball game in my life. He'd been sitting there running his mouth the whole ballgame. This is back, uh, I can't even remember what year it was. And they finally made a play late in the game to kind of get some separation. And uh, he kind of pushes me on my shoulder because he you know, wants, wants something to say. And all I had to say to him is don't touch me you know so if you got tickets and you're trying to get them in the hands of bulldog fans i'll help you as best i can through the power of social media because i don't want other people to have to go through that i don't want other people to have to say you know what hey i wanted to save a few bucks so i'm going to make everybody that sits around me deal with some obnoxious fans i know that not every opposing fan is obnoxious but why take a chance I'm not being silly here. I mean it. I think we should do all we can to get as many Mississippi State people into Davis-Wade Stadium. I do you know, There are going to be a lot of Georgia fans here this weekend too. And chances, chances are that uh, if you put your tickets out on StubHub, they're going to end up in the hands of a Georgia Bulldog. And I know when I sat as a season ticket holder and I had my friends around me, we all talked among ourselves, beginning, to say, "Hey, let's trade numbers. If you guys ever aren't making a ball game, let me know. I've got friends or family that would love to attend and sit close to us." And we kind of worked together as a unit because we was we were a group. And I got to go back and see those people the next week, right? And so I'm, how am I going to feel if I, you know, I sell my tickets on StubHub and there's some clown? And I knew if I showed back up there that. Uh, you know, Miss Pam and her husband were going to look at me all negatively. Well, who are those people that sat in your seats last week? i got a responsibility to that community. I, I do. Maybe you see it differently. But I feel kind of passionately about that. When when you are in a section with people and you you share the experience year after year, ball game after ballgame, the last thing that I want to do is have some loudmouth opposing fan come in there disrupting the time of the people that uh, are in my section. It's not going to do it. Maybe you feel differently, but I don't. But anyway, let's thank Blair. Blair provided the tickets. And uh, Blair will be uh, happy that you guys uh, will visit his website at clotheswithblair.com. Blair is a Bulldog, season ticket holder in multiple sports, has a place here in Starkville, you know, lives down there in central Mississippi, makes a trek up here, and uh, was generous enough to give his tickets away uh, as part of the Boneyard uh, Ticket Giveaway. And so we're happy for him to do that and very gracious and generous of him to offer those tickets up for free. He, he, he could think about that for a second. It's a sellout crowd. Blair could have easily went and put those tickets up on StubHub and probably made some money. But instead, he wanted you to benefit. And so I want you, if you have needs in the mortgage industry, that you repay him. Whether you bought you got the tickets or not, repay him for his generosity to some other Mississippi State fans because it is a family. It is. It may not be with our employees, but among us, those of us that have been bulldogs our entire life, we are a family, right? Other people may come and go, but we're a family. And I appreciate Blair recognizing that. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Maybe you're looking to refinance your home. Maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. And they've recently had a dip in interest rates, which is uh, kind of unexpected, but also a good thing. Blair can walk you through all that. It's a complicated process. There's so much that goes on that you need somebody that's got experience. 21 years of experience, top 1% close ratio, back-to-back years nationally. Not just in Issaquina County, nationally. Not just in tip accounting. Not just in Dumas, right? Blair's the real deal. You need somebody that knows the ins and outs in the mortgage industry to help you navigate through that process. Again, that's closed with Blair.com. Call or text him at 601-500-2344 and mention to him you heard about him on the yard He's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? All right, top ten list today, courtesy of our friend Dave Murray. Now, we have not done a lot of guest pickers on the show. Very few. Sometimes with country, I'll let people do it because I want the list. I want people to enjoy the list. And also, too, it's difficult for me to navigate through, listen to a bunch of country, to put a list together that I'll never listen to again. But uh, so Dave, you know, Dave and I have been uh, coworkers now, man, for coming up on 20 years. And, um, you know, now that I've uh, you know, acquired the website from Gene, as Gene is retired, we... Uh, I guess I'm Dave's boss, but I don't I don't see it that way. I don't treat him that way. Dave's my friend. And uh, when I was an aspiring journalist, you know, Dave Murray was kind of a hero to me. And so Dave's another guy, too, that loves Southern Rock. He likes some of the modern stuff, too. But, you know, Dave and his wife went and saw The Stones here recently. You know, they're not Southern Rock, obviously. But, you know, Dave still gets out and goes to shows, even at his advanced age. He'll find it funny. That's a joke between us. I had uh, – it, it, it didn't work out, but um, I'd gotten some pictures for uh, – I think it was Starkville ones of the old Scott Field, you know, when there was just barely nothing out there. And uh, I had a friend of mine, like, Photoshop a young David Murray, and they're selling popcorn in the stands. It, it didn't work out. But anyway, it's better to be on this side of the grass than the other, right, no matter your age. And uh, I, I love these you know people that say, oh, I'm, just, I'm getting old. Well, you know what? That's it, better than the alternative, right? It's better to not have – it's better to have birthdays than not to have them. So, uh, But I love Dave Murray and uh, really appreciate all his uh, contributions to my life. And, and uh, really as a writer, I've been able to kind of bounce things off him over the years. It's because I admired his skill, and he's always had so much patience with me. And so one of Dave's favorite bands is Steely Dan. And many of you have requested that in the past. And i thought, you know what, I can't do this list justice. And the other day, Dave and I were talking and he goes, ah, oh, you got to do a Steely Dan list. One of my favorite bands. I said, why don't you do the list? Why don't you do the list? Because I want to make sure that we get it right for you. So this is David Murray's top 10 Steely Dan songs. Now, Peg didn't make the list. That's an honorable mention. I'll even give you a little bit of uh, Dave's notes. Because you know, Dave, Dave can be a little long-winded. He is long of pen, shall we say, uh, when it comes to being a scribe. So I'll give you Dave's notes for those of you that are big Stewie Dan fans. Of course, we all know some Stewie Dan songs, but uh, many of you uh, probably grew up with some of this. So again, Dave Murray's top 10 Stewie Dan songs. Number 10, Pretzel Logic. Pretzel Logic, seriously, son, where did you get those shoes? <laughs> Number nine, show biz kids. Don't try to figure it out. Just enjoy the inve- infectious bottom lines. Number eight, FM. That was a movie. I have this album. It's a double album. I have the first pressing. I have it, courtesy of my stepdad. A rare poppy number, but the hook still hooks, and part of a great soundtrack for a bad movie. That's right, Dave. Number seven, it's Kid Charlemagne. Signature guitar work and drug era lyrics is Only Jazz Can Mix. That's Dave's uh, aside there on uh, Kid Charlemagne. Number six, a song that I think everybody has probably heard. The guitar on this is so good, too. It's not like real technical, but the tone they use, it's great. And I think the cadence of this song is so good, too. It's, it's real and in the years. As Dave says, their lyrical legend began here and still inspires debate. Real and in the years. Great song. Number five, Black Cow. The Distilled Essence of Steely Dan. (laughs) That's a good comment. Number four, Deacon Blues. Yeah, all their SEC fans will hate the lyric, but otherwise it's an epic song. Number three, this is another one that I think most people will recognize. You may not know that Steely Dan performed it, but this is a song too that still gets play on classic rock stations. It's Do It Again. It puts Steely Dan on the charts and on the map and that's enough. You got to go back, do it again. It's a great song. Number two, my old school. And for Dave, uh, that's Taylorsville. Did you know that? Did you know that Dave Murray was a graduate of Taylorsville High School? Dad was a coach. Yeah, true story. My old school, and Dave says, the expanded essence of Steely Dan. So those of you that know the band probably know what's coming next. And this is one of those songs, too. Like, there's parts of it that sound kind of elevator music. And there are parts of it that are a little more ferocious. Not like Metallica. But the composition of this song is kind of a wild ride. And I agree with Dave. I think this is the number one Stewie Dan song. I, I might have changed my order a little bit because I don't have the same wealth of knowledge that he does. You know, uh, Do It Again and Reel in the Years would have been in my top three if I put this list together. But Ricky, Don't Lose That Number. That's number one. It is. It is a. It's a great song. And as Dave says... All the lyrical, vocal, and instrumental elements are here, and all are perfect. Dave, I agree. So we may do more of this from time to time. Uh, I, I tell you what we need, and maybe some of you ladies can hit me up. We have had some requests for Britney Spears. You know, I, I'm a Britney Spears fan, but not for the reason many of you are. But uh, if you would like to volunteer to be our Britney Spears expert, hit me up on a DMs, and maybe I'll, uh, I'll give you some opportunity to get on the show. And so maybe we do some of that because there are some bands out there, even if they're on our list, that I want to be fair to the bands and fair to the fans. I don't want to just wing it. You know what I'm saying? There's sometimes, like early on when we first started doing these lists, and we're over 300 of them now, there would be a band I wasn't quite as familiar with. And so I would, like, listen to that band for, like, two days in a row. And sometimes I found some things I really liked, and other times I thought, why am I torturing myself this way? But I think sometimes, too, it's better for us when we have these bands that maybe keep popping up in our mentions that maybe we go to an expert. So maybe we change the top ten a little bit. So, again, this is Dave Murray's top ten Stewie Dan Song. Dave, thanks so much for your contribution to the show. And, again, maybe we've stumbled upon a new feature here. Uh, so, again, if you have ideas for the top ten list or perhaps you'd like to be an expert on a band we haven't done, and uh, you can find all the bands we've done on Spotify by subscribing to Roy's channel at Dogmatic67. I have a lot of people that say, you know what, Steve, I'd love to do my own Motley list. Well, we've done Motley so many times here, you know. So it's got to be something to do. And so what 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 I may do on Monday show is I'll get with Roy and maybe I give you out some of these names of bands we haven't done and I'll say, hey, we're looking for this. So if I can find a good Britney Spears expert, we'll we'll do that one day next week. So there you go. So hit us up, let us know. You can follow Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. Appreciate your contributions and support of the top 10 list. It's an idea I stole from David Letterman, right? Dave had the top 10 list. We have a top 10 list. So it's kind of in homage to David Letterman. I love the David Letterman show. Preferred it much more over the Tonight Show. Absolutely did. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a billion institution, been doing a great job for a great fan base for an awfully long time and doing it better than ever. The bully shop completely renovated, now upstairs on the first floor. No longer in the textbook business, it's allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise, the greatest selection in the known universe. So if you're a Mississippi State fan, you're not shopping at Campus Bookmart, you're doing it wrong. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, Mississippi State men's basketball back in action tonight. Playing the Akron Zips. Is part of the, uh, the bar stool event up there, our friend Brandon Walker. Part of that, I, I enjoyed the little exchange between he and Chris Jans. Chris Jans, obviously a uh, very personable, very funny guy. I've been around Chris a couple times, and uh, I tell you, I enjoy Chris Jans. I think we've made two really good hires. And of course, uh, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about this, but uh, on Monday, Mississippi State gets off to a great start to the Christian's era, a 63-44 win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Who is picked to win their league? And so it's not like, okay, this is just you know Mississippi School of Math and Science. It's a good start against a good team. Not going to sit here and tell you they're a great team because I don't believe that. But the, the reality of it is, is State took care of business, and it was quite the game at the half. For those of you that didn't watch it, I was worried. We're down five at the break, and then absolutely dominate the second half, 38 to 14. Pretty impressive showing for the Bulldogs. Tolu Smith leads the Bulldogs with uh, 19 points on the night. Uh, Shaquille Moore pitched in 11 off the bench. Cam Matthews begins the Chris Jans era with a block shot. That's the way it. That's the way it opens. But uh, a lot of new players on this team, a new look Bulldog team. Excited to watch them. I think one of the guys that I thought really gave us some juice, he didn't score, but I thought he did some things on a defensive end and helped facilitate some was Tyler Stevenson, a transfer from Southern Miss. But uh, again, great win and uh, pretty good crowd, too. 6,254 fans there uh, to watch Chris Jans and, and his group kind of get going again. Uh, so congratulations to Coach Jans and them. They will, they will face Akron tonight in Philadelphia, PA. Uh, if you're up in that neck of the woods, maybe go check them out we got some Bulldogs up there in the Northeast that uh, maybe perhaps go out there and, and get the maroon and white chair that's your going. So so that's kind of where they are with that. But, uh, again, should be a game that um, you know State gets an opportunity to win and get off to a 2-0 start. So uh, that would be great. I've told you guys before, when we hired Christians, it just seemed to be the right fit for us. You saw how gritty they were at New Mexico State. Pretty, pretty tremendous run last year. Really got things done. And that's the thing, too. When, when we think about Mississippi State sports, and I think you'll agree with me, I've said this to you guys before, you listen, we understand losing is part of competition. Lack of effort is not. And so Chris Jans and this this group of individuals has really brought some effort. Again, we're just one game in, but early returns are very good. Now, Akron is a 1-0 this year. They beat South Dakota State at home, 81-80, in overtime. So, an exciting win for them earlier this week. Now, they'll see a different brand of athlete this week. I mean, obviously, we've recruited a little bit better than, than South Dakota State does. But uh, eager to see the Bulldogs play again. Many of you will be able to watch that uh, tonight. It will be on Barstool TV, too. So if you're unfamiliar with that, I would suggest you already begin to kind of figure that out. If you want to watch a ball game, don't wait until 10 minutes before the ball game and start tweeting out or putting on Facebook what channel's the game on. Kind of take it upon yourself to go ahead and do a little research here. But uh, kind of looking at Akron real quick here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on all this. But uh, Xavier uh, Castaneda, 31 points for them. Played all 40, played 42 minutes of this ball game. Obviously, a bit of an energizer bunny, a 6one and eighty-eight pounds senior guard from Chicago, Illinois. Transfer from South Florida, so a guy that's got it done. So they'll have some dudes. You know, we're going to play. You know, simple as that. They had three guys in double figures: Enrique Freeman, Trenton Hankerson. Hankerson also went forty-two minutes. They got a lot, a lot of minutes out of their starters. Did not get very deep into the bench. Maybe that's perhaps something that Chris Jans can exploit in this ballgame. But, again, we do expect State to be 2-0 after uh, Friday. And then, of course, they're back in Humphrey Coliseum on Sunday. So if you are staying for the ball game, ballgame, spending the night Saturday night after the Georgia game, State will host Arkansas Pine Bluff at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's not going to hurt you to stay a little bit longer, right? Many of you were going to hang around anyway and go to lunch and, and kind of enjoy your weekend in Starkville. Well, I encourage you, take your kids out to Kids Day this Sunday at Humphrey Coliseum. That game will be broadcast on the SEC Network Plus, so you can use your app uh, to follow that game. And then the Bulldogs head to the Fort Myers Tip-Off Classic next week. So, again, two games this weekend, Friday in Philadelphia, PA, and then Sunday, 2 p.m. in Starkville. We also got the uh, Sam Purcell era off on a good start. And, and listen, the quality of competition wasn't great. okay? I'm not going to talk negatively about Mississippi Valley State. But the thing that I would say here, for those of you that watch this game, I'm sure you felt like I did. Man, these ladies are fun to watch. And that's the thing too. We have kind of become so accustomed to that, right? It's like, and I don't know what it is about the ladies game. Maybe it's because of the fact that we really didn't have much of a tradition. Uh, before Coach Fannin and uh, Fannin Otis now. And then Vic Schaefer takes us to the next level. But we, we were the worst program in the SEC for many, many years. And it kind of goes back to this whole thing about commitment to athletics. You know, women's sports, in many respects, where it's kind of an afterthought here. That, that's just the reality of life. That's not a criticism of anybody, but that's just reality. But we have had a lot of fun the last decade cheering for women's basketball. And I think what we saw against Mississippi Valley State is more reminiscent of what we expect to be. You know, when Vic was here, that's what we did. We got up and down the floor, we pressured, we competed, we shared the basketball, and when you look at this box score, it's absolutely ridiculous. State wins the opening quarter twenty eight to eight, and then twenty seven to ten. So it's a fifty five to eighteen game at the break, and then just when you think, Okay, well they're gonna slow down, no. No, they had their biggest quarter yet, 32-17 there in the third quarter. The game is over at that point, and even with the reserves in the ballgame, State wins the fourth period at 17-12, final score of 104-47. to I think if you're Sam, too, and I, I, did think, I, I did think they got deep into the bench. State did, so it wasn't like Sam was just, you know, trying to embarrass Mississippi Valley State. But State, with six players in double figures, let that sink in for a second. You talk about balance and scoring. Kelly Jordan, we know what she can do. 18 points for her. Jessica Carter, so good to have her back. And there was some there was some concern she might not be back until January. Sam Purcell, very emotional in the postgame, talking about Jessica Carter. And, and that, that resonates well with our fan base. You know, a guy that really cares. It's not just a job to him. He cares about these young ladies, their lives, their education. Alana Smith, 15 points for her. Uh, Debrecia Poe in the starting lineup. Right? How about that? Robbie Falk uh, shared that with us too. You know, he expected that to happen. That's exactly what happened. Ten points for her. Anastasia Hayes. You know what you got there? Just three points from her. Are you worried about that? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Because you know what she's capable of. Um, Ajane Johnson, 16 points, and then Courtney Weber with 10. But uh, Bulldogs had several players. Make contributions. Danae Carter was somebody that uh, we had to depend on a lot. You know, eight points for her last year. And then Romani Parker with eight. And again, you get down, you, you know, Alasia Hayes gets in the game, Charlotte Cole. And, and uh, you know, we, we had a good group, to say the least. And so a good opening night for, for the Sam Purcell era. Pretty incredible when you think about it. The lady shot 66% from the floor. And forty three and a half percent from the three, and you when know, we shot twenty three, it's not like we just you know, kind of got the benefit of hitting a couple shots and then went away from it. And then nearly seventy one percent from the free throw line. Those, those numbers right there, those percentages will win you a lot of a lot of basketball games. And again, I just think we made the right decision with Purcell. I mean, I, I feel great about Jads. I feel great about Purcell. I, I think we have the right person, not just the right coach, but the right person for Mississippi State. I think he fits here. I think he knows that we're committed to winning here and we have won big here. He's seen that up close and personal as an assistant coach at Louisville. We got the right guy. There's no question about it. And I know a lot of people, of course, were disappointed that we didn't give Doug Novak the job. We wished Doug the best. But the right decision was made in my estimation. And, again, that's not a criticism of Doug. I just think we needed to get somebody very familiar with the women's game that I understood women's recruiting. He is recruiting at a high level. And you go out and you throw up a 100-piece your first game out. So uh, the ladies are in action tonight at 5.30 p.m. against North Alabama. So if you're in town, you got a chance to see a lot of Mississippi State sporting events this weekend. Of course, soccer plays at 3. And when that game is over, you can mosey on over to the hump, watch the ladies play basketball, watch the uh, ball game with George Saturday and then hang around on Sunday. It's almost like Super Bulldog weekend light you got a chance to come check it out. I encourage you to come do that. If you're in town, Mississippi State has your entertainment calendar kind of set for you. Uh, North Alabama is a 1-0 team. They knocked down Christian Brothers, which is kind of a misnomer considering it's a women's team, but uh, they beat Christian Brothers uh, 78-68 earlier this week in uh, Florence, Alabama. And we have a lot of Bulldogs that went to UNA as well, but... uh, uh, leading scorer for them was uh, Skylar Gill with 16 points. No, that's incorrect, a second high score, Jade Moore, off the bench, had 19 points. She played 36 minutes. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, the difference in in the strength and conditioning programs, I think, will be evident in this ballgame. But, again, a great start. And, I'm you know, to be honest with you, I expect more from the ladies this year when it comes to postseason uh, than I do the men. And that, that's not a shot at Chris Jan's. I just think this roster on the women's side is probably a little more cohesive. You know, you got more returning pieces back. You're not having piece pieces thing together, so there's some, some chemistry there. And, yes, you do have some new pieces, but I think the core of the team has returned. And this is a team last year that was in the mix to make the tournament just simply ran out of gas late. And so now you have some depth, and now you have a bench. Last year where Time State played with six or seven players. It's ridiculous considering all the injuries that we had. And, again, that's a testament to Doug Novak and that entire staff for kind of keeping, um, keeping things together in light of some very difficult circumstances. So, again, we're very appreciative of Doug Novak, but we look forward uh, to the Sam Purcell era, which is off to a, to a great start. So get out and go support your Bulldogs whenever you can. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan is my friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State, a friend of Starkville. Brooks a good dude, man. He is. He's a good dude. I wouldn't partner with people that I didn't trust and respect. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Brooks Bryan. Part of a great group of individuals bringing this wonderful residential development called Portico to Starkville. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on the 12. Take the very first ride on Pat Station Road. Go through the four-way stop. Boomer's Portico. Give yourself a self-guided tour in between your Mississippi State sporting events this weekend. And maybe consider it as maybe it's time to make Starkville home. And maybe it's not Your current home, maybe it's not your primary residence. Maybe you go ahead and get a second home and you begin to think about, hey, at some point we're going to retire here. We'd like to be close to campus, just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You can even get a custom build. It's not some cookie-cutter neighborhood, right? There is some continuity within it, but let's say you need some things that maybe perhaps aren't in the typical house plan. They can help you with that. The builders are very flexible when it comes to that. If you've got those questions, reach out to Brooks at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. If I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I would love to be that close to campus. But now I've got this uh, this big house out here that's going to be empty on me here pretty soon, and I've got all this stuff. And so not ready to have the, uh, the boneyard uh, garage sale or anything like that. But uh, maybe perhaps you would consider... It's time to make Starkville your home, and Portico is absolutely the way to go. Make Portico your next move. Okay, a couple things I want to talk about in our final segment today. Mississippi State has a chance to make Mississippi State Athletics history this semester. There are three winter sports. There's football, as you know. There is soccer, and there is volleyball. Mississippi State could reach the NCAA postseason in all three sports for the first time in school history. We talk about the health of the department, right? And that's the thing, again, I said this earlier in the show, and some people may take offense, and that's fine. Historically, we have not done a great job in women's sports. We just hadn't. I don't know if it's a matter of allocating the resources or identifying the right coaches. I I don't know. But that has changed really in the last – You know 10 15 20 years you look at what happened with softball this past year last year Julie Darty I think if memory serves me correct I did a little research on this earlier I think we've had 10 winning seasons in our school's history in volleyball last year of course the most historic season and we made the NCAA tournament for the first time now we still got a few more matches to go but we could have back-to-back trips to the NCAA tournament for volleyball And again, we've, we've hired the right person, clearly. And again, we don't have a ton of tradition to speak of when it comes to volleyball. And so, you know, it's, it's a tough sell at times to tell somebody, hey, you come here and we're going to win. We've never won before, but, we, but you're going to win. The volleyball dogs are 13 and 10 and 6 and 7 in the conference. They've won two matches in a row. And we've got to finish, but we are on pace to make the tournament. In the event that happens. We will have all three winter sports in the postseason for the first time in school history. So this evening, we're going to play Kentucky, and that's also in Starkville. Again, I told you it's Super Bulldog Weekend. Light. There's plenty of things. There's plenty of things that you can come root for this weekend while you're in Starkville. It's crazy how it works out. Saturday, we are next Saturday. Excuse me. We're going to be uh, at Tennessee, and then we'll play them again on Sunday, and then we have Missouri. Uh, the following weekend, so we've got a little bit left to kind of finish up here, but the Bulldogs in position to make the postseason in the NCAA volleyball tournament for just the second time in school history and in back-to-back years. Now, soccer plays today. We, We celebrated our first ever SEC tournament win here just a couple weekends ago. Never happened before, And now here we are in the NCAA tournament hosting an NCAA tournament game. The last time we went to the tournament was 2018. We were upset. We're hosting again today. If we win, it'll be our first ever win in an NCAA tournament game in in soccer. Maybe you didn't know that. And I say that because I think it's important to understand. You know, it's like sometimes we get so caught up in our favorite sport, we don't think about the complete health of our athletics department. But here we are. Again, a chance to do something historic. And again, soccer 11-5-4 on the year. You know, volleyball and soccer both started undefeated for a long time. We're 4-4-2 and in the conference. We did lose our, our last match on the pitch. But uh, have played you know, pretty pretty well. We lost Alabama, of course. Uh, one of the better teams in the country. 2 nothing in the SEC tournament. So, New Mexico State will be your opponent today. That's 3 o'clock central time. If you're in town again, there's so much to think about: soccer, women's basketball, volleyball, and all of those games are important. Every single one of those games that we play today on the women's side are going to be important games. You know, every game has some level of importance, but when you begin to think about the postseason implications and the fact that you know Sam Purcell and the group need to get off to a good start, you know we're establishing a new era here. You can understand how important it is for us We need to go three and zero today. Now, New Mexico State, far, far, far from just some also ran program they're 13 four and three on the year seven two and two in our conference they enter today's match with a six game winning streak. like everybody else it's been a little more difficult on the road but they're 500 four four and one on the road. so every loss they've taken has been in an opponent's home venue they've lost a couple they've won a couple neutral side games but you know look at the schedule it's not like they have just kind of played just anybody. You know, they play at Oregon, at Cal State, Fortton. They play at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, one of the better teams in the Southeastern Conference. They lose that match 2-1. UTEP, Portland State, Nevada, Utah Valley, Seattle U. This is league play, obviously. Uh, Texas, Rio Grande, Stephen F. Austin, Tarleton State, Abilene Christian, Southern Utah, Texas Tech, excuse me, Utah Tech, Sam Houston, Grand Canyon, California Baptist. And then they get into their tournament, the WAC tournament. And they win both games against California, Baptist, and CLU. And, of course, they were the regular season uh, regular season championship. I think that's right. Let me look at this to make sure I'm, I'm not misleading you here. And, actually, I was misleading you there. It's actually Utah Valley that, that was the one seed in the WAC championship tournament. And um, New Mexico State wins it one nothing. And so, again, this is a team that's used to winning. So it won't be a, a rollover type thing. They're certainly capable of winning this game. But I began to think about, you know, the history that has been made this year for Mississippi State women's soccer, and then you have a chance to make some more. And how cool would it be for us to be able to celebrate an NCAA tournament win uh, something we've never done before? It's absolutely incredible to think about that. And so I think that's one of the things you begin to think about if you're a new athletic director. We talk about not having an emergent hire which is kind of the reality, too. We don't have a pressing hire. You know, we're not going to make a coaching change here and there. And then you see some of our non-revenue uh, sports doing some historic things. Now, in the event we win, we are the seven seed, so we're expected to win today. But there's no guarantee we were expected to beat Lipscomb, and we didn't back in the playoff of 2018. If we win today, then we would play the winner of Memphis... And number two seed St. Louis. If we win, and somehow Memphis upsets St. Louis, then we would host round two. I don't expect that to happen, uh, but nevertheless, your Bulldogs competing in the NCAA tournament. And so I, I share that because I think it's important. Sometimes we get a little bit of tunnel vision. We begin to think, hey, well, you know, football's doing this, football's doing that, and, and we forget about. The fact that we have some other student athletes that are giving all they have for the advancement and the representation of Mississippi State, and I think again it kind of shows too what a good job we have done, you know, finding the right individuals to champion these programs, that we are on the cusp of doing something we have never done before. So I think when a new athletic director comes in, he can see you know what, good shape, you know. Yeah, we need to win a few more games in football, obviously, you know, right? I mean, that, that's the the marquee of the winter sports. It's a big part of your recruiting base, too, not just for athletes, but for students. You know, people want to be involved, you know, with winning programs. I think Dr. Mark Keenum understands that. But when you begin to think about the entire student-athlete experience, and you know, they're going to have friends and classmates and, uh, you, know, you know, sorority and fraternity members and brothers and sisters – they're going to be competing on other fields of play, and all of a sudden, when you have a chance that on any given day you can go root for Mississippi State to compete in an important game, I think that's an important part of the student experience here at Mississippi State. And so I share that with you because I want to make sure that you understand that it's not just another game. The soccer match is a chance for us to do something we've never done before, and if uh, Julie D'Arty denniss volleyball team finishes on a on a high note we got a chance to do something as an athletic department that we've never done. It's pretty incredible. And you would think all these years of history, it's like, oh, well, well, Steve, you know, how many years? Guys, we have played volleyball 47 years, 47 seasons, and went to the NCAA tournament once. Talked a little bit earlier about, you know, commitment, right? Commitment to athletics. 47 seasons. And we finally break through last year. And one of the things that I was told when uh, Julie Darty, at the time, when she was hired, it's like, hey, it's your program. Go run your program. Implement your system and then let us know what you need and we'll do our best to get the facility upgrades around you. We've done that. We've done that. And now we're being rewarded kind of quietly in many respects because, you know, not, not a lot of our fans turn out, but we've set attendance records at Newell Grissom. We've set attendance records for soccer. And so I think those are important factors to celebrate, too. It's not, well, you know, Steve, not many people go. Well, they, they go in record numbers. Maybe you don't go. But it's not like our ladies are out, sitting out there playing like a recreational game and it's just them and their parents. And I love our, our soccer fans. I, I, I'll be honest with you, and, and, it, and it's, it's to my detriment, I have not been to a volleyball match. And I'm going to change that. I am. But when we go out for soccer – the students that turn out are tremendous. Like they'll paint their chest and their faces and they're running around. It's The support that they offer, these student-athletes, is is remarkable. And so if you're one of those kids, I love you. I do. I do. And and bring some friends because uh, we'll get a chance to win a tournament game today. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, injuries as we get ready for um, the Georgia game. Now, I don't expect us to win. I don't. And as I mentioned opening the show, by the time kickoff starts, I'll start thinking, you know, maybe I'm an optimistic person by nature. I wasn't always that way. I kind of had to learn a new way to live. But, um, yeah, Georgia's a great team. They really are. And uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe Mississippi State's health. Now, Emmanuel Forbes, we talked about that last week. We knew he was out against Auburn and that he may return this week. There were some people you know, on our message board that were kind of suggesting, no, he'll be back next week. The information that I had last weekend is that it was just kind of going to be touch and go. How he responded to treatment, uh, you know, what his pain level threshold looked like and things like that. And so heading into tomorrow, it's probably a game time decision. And we need him. We do. But we're going to need him against Ole Miss too. And so you don't want to put him out there, you know, to his own detriment. And perhaps this lingers a little bit farther along. So Emmanuel Forbes, questionable, questionable for tomorrow now Jaden Crumity back had a good game last week I understand that he didn't have any uh you know nothing more than a routine soreness this week he'll be good to go Dylan Johnson was not 100 percent last week they were careful with him we think he's a little bit closer this week he's not all the way back but you know he's he's back you know he's working through it so we're in good shape now there were some players last week that missed due to some illness I've asked a little bit about that. It's difficult to get any information on that, Mike Leach, and I'm very tight-lipped about that. But I understand that uh, we'll be really close to full strength. Maybe one or two guys that, uh, you know, maybe have some lingering effects that limited them in practice a little bit this week. And so, you know, we'll see. But uh, by and large, your Bulldogs are expected to be full strength when we take the field against the University of Georgia. Now, I'm not going to sit here and poor mouth our team. Because how many times have we had these moments before where we think all is lost and then all is not lost? I do expect us to go out there and compete. And I actually picked us to cover in the game. I've got Georgia winning. I do think State covers. And I think the last spread I saw was like 16, 16 and a half. So it's, it's essentially a three-score game if you get to 16 and a half. I think State will do enough to stay in the ball game. I do expect State to run the football more. I do. Or at least attempt to. Uh, and I do think that you're probably going to see some wrinkles worked up just for Georgia. Uh, but this Georgia team, again, you know, they had a really good game last week, pressure the in a quarterback. They have struggled to get the quarterback on the ground. And Will Rogers is not handed Hooker. And sometimes Hooker runs himself into some pressure too. But he is a very mobile quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. As is Will Rogers, their skill sets are just completely different in many respects. But – Uh, You know, Will can't hang on to the football this weekend. He can't sit back there and just wait and wait and wait. we got to take what they give us and get it out. I do expect to see Georgia mimic some of what Alabama and Auburn did, even though State was able to put up with 39 points last weekend. Auburn did a great job taking the check down game away from us because we have thrown to the running backs. Maybe not with the same frequency we did last year or the year before, but that's a big part of our game. When the first two reads aren't there, you check it down. And there's some times, too, our ball placement hadn't been the best on those throws, but they did a great job kind of getting out there. They have some very athletic ends that are able to get out there and assist in pass coverage, you know, and maybe that's part of the the assignment is maybe we're not going to rush. Maybe we're going to show pressure and just kind of get out there and float a little bit. And then the next thing you know, we check it down. You've got a very athletic guy kind of getting downhill and making a play. And they hit our running backs. Give Auburn some credit. And I think it showed a lot uh, for Woody Marks, guy coming off a broken nose against Alabama, to get out there and play the way he did. We got some warriors at running back. We really do. We have some absolute warriors at running back. Can we get some more talented guys yeah, at some point? Yeah. It's a different brand of running back in this game. But we got some dudes, man. We got some guys that will get out there and compete and play hard. I, I love our backfield. I really do. Um, you know, Simeon Price is a guy, too, that I, I think can be a guy, too. I think as you kind of move forward with this process, you begin to think about, you know, what's this depth chart going to look like next year? And you may have to make some alterations to your recruiting plan, you know, should some guys elect to go pro. I, I don't think at this point they will. Dylan Johnson may be the most likely to go pro. I think that's likely a mistake, but, uh, you know, Dylan's got to do what's best for him, and I won't be critical of him for doing so, but, I think the fact that he's been a little bit banged up this year, maybe he's got a little bit more to prove. But uh, Dylan Johnson, obviously a guy that runs with some real grit and toughness and sometimes runs angry. I don't know that we've ever had anybody run quite as angry as Colin Hill. Um, But Dylan has some of that in him at times too. Like when when there's going to be contact, he will lower his shoulder and try to plow through somebody. And sometimes it works out and other times it doesn't. But it's still a very punishing run. This Georgia linebacking group is going to be, you know, elite. It's not a big surprise. I'm not breaking any news here today. When I to tell you Georgia's a great team, they are. I do think Mississippi State will go out and compete. We had a thread somebody mentioned on the Jeans Page Icon message boards. Well, we just go over there and roll over and play dead, and and I don't believe we will. I think Mike Leach kind of called his team out a little bit after Alabama for being scared of Alabama, and that hurt the sensibilities of some of the pearl clutchers within our fan base. I don't know why he does that. You know, guys, here's the deal. Uh, This is the Southeastern Conference. You know, this isn't the Shriners, you know, youth soccer league where everybody needs to be coddled and everybody needs to be given a Capri Sun and everybody's mom takes turns bringing snacks. This, This is not that. It's not. This is Southeastern Conference. Now, Mike Leach sometimes talks to his team through the media. But I can tell you this, our kids love playing. And I hate to call them kids. Our young men love playing for Mike Leach. I'm sure there's a rare exception out there. But when I speak to these guys off the record, you know, I bump into somebody in town. They love our staff. They love our head coach. And so you would think sometimes reading social media commentary that there's this big rift. Guys, we are six and three you say, but Steve, we're, you know, we're, yeah, we're six and three. Yeah, we're six and three. We're six and three with three games remaining. I mean, how many times, I mean, recently, and you go back and think about it, how quickly we got Bo eligible. You know, we're not a team that nobody, nobody expected us to contend in the West this year, right? We wanted to take a step forward. I believe we have, but we've got to finish, it's so many people at the beginning of the year said, well, you know, we'll probably be six and six, seven and five. Okay, we're six and three with three to play. We could absolutely end up seven and five. We could also absolutely end up eight and four. I don't think we end up nine and three. You know, if you beat Georgia, then maybe, you know, you do. I just don't expect us to beat Georgia. I feel confident we'll beat East Tennessee State, and I see the egg Bowl as a toss up, and perhaps it's a game we can go in. And again, when you begin to think about the dynamics of the next three weeks, you know, the fact that we get a chance to play a very good Georgia team, right, and then play East Tennessee State at 11 a.m. and then have the short week and get ready to play Ole Miss, we're Ole Miss playing a very emotional game this week against Alabama. It's true. And then the next week you got to go on the road and probably play an Arkansas team that's playing for bowl eligibility. So there's going to be a gauntlet. I would much rather have our schedule than their schedule. We both get an elite team at home today or this weekend. But next weekend, you know, State obviously has the better draw and the fact that State's playing an FCS team at home in the morning. Ole Miss is playing an SEC West team that, uh, you know, very easily could have beat them last year in a, in, in a place that they have not played well historically – and then they've got to get on a plane and come home and start preparing for a short week. And so, you know, those things favor Mississippi State. At some point, you've got to go play a football game. You know, sometimes when the team, one team team's better than the other, it doesn't matter how much time you got to prepare. Sometimes better is just better. Uh, but uh, I do think, you know, I think we've got our hands full this weekend. But I do think State will find a way to cover the spread. And I won't be the least bit surprised if this game goes to the fourth quarter. December to 2020. Nothing will really surprise me about this game. I don't think State will get blown out. Uh, I think Zach Arnett's group will be ready to roll. Uh, but I go back to, you know, when you think about it as a competitor, you know, forget about rankings. Forget about all this other stuff. But as a competitor, you can't ever count yourself out. If you're a true competitor, you can't just ever say, oh, we're going to lose. Now, the fans can say it, the news media can say it, but as a player and as a competitor, you can't ever in your heart believe, ah, we, we can't beat these guys. Even, even if it's the longest shot in the history of the world, there's always the one. You got to go out there thinking to yourself, hey, we can beat these guys. And I think the benefit of 2020, and the coach has kind of downplayed all that this week, and I think some of that is probably coach speak too, But the reality of it is, is the nucleus of this team went to Athens, Georgia two years ago and should have won the football game. They should know there's no monster in the closet. That's not in any way disrespectful to Georgia. But it's just another guy across from you. Hershel Walker is not coming out of that tunnel. There's some great players that are. But once you get out there and get in the flow of the game and you start doing your job and doing your assignment, you begin to realize, you know, hey, we're all dudes. And we're playing at our place. and we got about 50,000 cowbells ringing us along. I would love to hear Georgia fans complaining about cowbells come Monday. Absolutely love it. But, again, I do expect State to lose the ballgame. And I hate to say it that way, but that's just the reality of life. I think most of you feel the same way. Yeah, we got Georgia, but man, what a tremendous opportunity we have to not only change the direction of our season, but potentially change the the course of the college football season. You beat Georgia, Georgia's still going to get in, I would suspect. I mean, Georgia may lose let's, let's say we beat them and they let's say they lose in the SEC Championship game. They may not make the playoff. If they go undefeated and lose the championship game, they're in the playoff. Would you not agree? But also, too, let's say you upset them and they go on to win the SEC, then somebody else that's projected to get into the playoffs may not make the playoffs. So there's a lot at stake here. You can make an impact on a national level this weekend. You can change a lot. You can change the course of somebody else's season and many school season besides your own, not to mention your own place in the SEC bowl pecking order. You simply never know. If you haven't done so, go to dogpilotabook.com, and you can order all my sports books there. You can get them signed. You can get them personalized, whatever you'd like. Go to dogpilotabook.com. I will be at Maroon & Company from 2 to 5 today, and then I will immediately leave there and head downtown to the Unwind event at Bookmart Cafe. And then on uh, Saturday, if you're looking for me, looking for books, I'm easy to find. I will be at the Lodge for the first time this season. And uh, let, me give you, let me give you time on that, too. Got it right here. Right here. So uh, that'll be one thirty to 4 on Saturday. one thirty to 4 at the Lodge. So Maroon and Company today, 2 to 5. Unwind event tonight. That's 5.30 to 8.30. And then tomorrow, one thirty to 4 before I go and cover the uh, the ball game. And then if you remember the 120 Club in Jackson, I'll be with you on Tuesday. And then Thursday, November 17th, I'll be the Starville Touchdown Club, which means I can't make the Judas Priest and Queen's Rag Show at the Lander Center with Roy, which I'm – I'm a little bummed about it, but we've got to pay the bills. I can't be, you know, run the rock and roll road all the time. Uh, but anyway, that's where we are with that. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can get it at great bookstores everywhere. And also, um, you know, barnesandnoble.com, BooksMegan.com, everywhere else. And uh, that was a book we didn't ever put out really to make any money, which is about art and expressing ourselves. And we sold thousands of copies, which absolutely amazes me. And so thank you guys so much for that. But uh, again, we'll be out and about a lot. And of course, we'll have a December uh schedule coming up pretty soon we look forward to seeing you guys at events come by and say hello uh you know come talk some football with me i'm always around always eager to talk about mississippi state athletics and again good luck to all of our teams in action today and this weekend so much going on today for a mississippi state fan i mean you you probably need two or three tvs and you know maybe the twitter feed and everything else because again soccer volleyball Women's basketball, men's basketball. Today. It's a big day. You talk about Maroon Friday. It's Maroon Friday, for to say the least. And uh, let's let's hope for a 4-0 day today. And how about a 1-0 day tomorrow? Wouldn't that be amazing? We we'll look forward to being back with you guys on Sunday. Be careful on your way to Stargo, And remember, it's going to be cold this weekend. I don't know where you live or where you're from and what what apps you have on your phone. It is going to be cold at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. So be mindful of that. And, of course, our local vendors would love for you to show up, you know, without a jacket and buy a fresh one here, and maybe that's an option for you. But you need to be prepared to be bundled up on Saturday night. Again, it's going to be a great crowd, be a great atmosphere, but you need to make sure you protect yourself and uh, understand it is going to be brisk, shall they say, uh, come Saturday night at davis Wade Stadium. Well, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much, as always, for your support and your patrons of the Boneyard and jeanspage.com. We love what we do over there, and I uh, would love for you to come be a member with us. And, and we may not always agree, but uh, we always respect the fact that we all want the same things, and that's for Mississippi State uh, to win. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.